0: Well, hey there, this is Nona Jones, and welcome to a new episode of Undefeated. You know, my father passed away two months before my second birthday. I don't have any tangible memories of him, but I have many pictures where he was cradling me in his arms or holding my tiny hand in his hand as we walked along a beach, or a picture of him dressed up as a clown (laughs) at my first birthday, trying to make me laugh. Even though I don't have those tangible memories of him, seeing those photos creates memories of love, safety, and protection. There were so many nights when I was growing up as a child that I would cry tears asking God to give me back my father because the abuse and the pain that I was experiencing it felt like it was only happening because he wasn't there to protect me. The tears that I cried were tears out of hope, out of dreams, but they weren't anchored to reality. And yet, there are many people who have lost loved ones, who have tangible memories of them, their voice, the touch of their skin, the sound of their laughter. How do you grapple with losing a loved one? Who you built your life with and around my guests today have had to deal with that same struggle priscilla shire who is a world-renowned bible teacher author and actress lost her mother a wonderful woman of god who i also counted as a mentor and bishop marvin Sapp lost his beautiful wife a woman with whom he brought into this world beautiful children a woman with whom he celebrated multiple Grammy nominations, a woman with whom he was able to share hope with the world because of his songs. And yet, they both prayed for their loved ones to receive healing on earth. And that didn't happen. So how do you keep the faith when you're living in grief? Listen, before we jump into the conversation today, I want you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And share it with any friends or family who similarly need to know that you can emerge undefeated after wrestling with grief and loss. So now, let's talk.
1: So, I mean, we dated for two years, um, got married, was married for 18 years together. And uh, so when I look back over it, I think it, it was just that we was just like great friends. We had everything in common. I mean, like, really, she couldn't sing, but, you know, outside of that, it was, everything was perfect, you know, and um, so we just meshed because of our friendship, and I think that that's what really kind of helped me through the whole process of of her transitioning, because um, she was really more or less concerned about me, and I was more or less concerned about her, and we always made the decision that we were going to Audi outdo each other in, in making each other feel feel the best that we can possibly feel. So, I mean, she was a great girl. Uh, it's been almost 10 years to me now, and I miss her dearly. Um, but she said something to me before she transitioned from this life to life eternal. She told me, she said, Marvin, I need you to give me a gift. And I said, what do you want me to give you? She said, "That this is the last gift I will ever ask you for. And I said, what is it? She said, I want you to live. And I mean, that just speaks to the type of woman that she was. I mean, educator, uh, dual bachelor's, dual master's, doctorate in biblical counseling. Um, she was that chick. And I think that's why I'm still single. Because <laughs> she, she made it really, really difficult uh, for everybody else that came along, or that's coming along. So, but uh, it's, it's been hard, it's been challenging. Um, but at the end of the day, I learned so much about who I am as an individual and my relationship with the God that I say.
0: I want you to take us back to the moment when um, you both got the diagnosis. You know, what What did you think? How did you feel? What was running through your mind?
1: Well, when we initially got the diagnosis, strangely enough, it was it was during the time of my mother's 70th birthday. And uh, there was a major party that we were throwing for her down south and my wife got sick and we thought that it was just a normal uh, kidney stone type situation. But then they came back and told us that it was uh, cancer. And initially, you know, I'm thinking, you know, it's it's in a colon, they said they're gonna take out like 18 inches and that it was going to be it. Um, and then after that, they told us that it had gotten to our lymph nodes. And once that had happened, that's when we just, we remained in faith the whole time. And I'm, I'm going to be very honest. We, we spoke the word over her life. I just remained in faith and really just declared the decree that healing was going to take place. And and I think the reason why I did it is because with all the travels and stuff that I've had and gone on and I've laid hands on the sick and see them recover. I was like, okay, God, of all the people in the world, as faithful as I've been, I know you're going to handle this for me because uh, this is the only person I've ever trusted outside of you. So when, strangely enough, we were going back and forth to Houston, in the Anderson and what happened to Melinda only happens in 1% of cancer patients. Somehow, some way the cancer got into the fluid that was in her spinal cord. And uh, at that point they told us that there was really nothing else they can do. And after about 20 months, um, and she just began to wind down like a clock. I never got angry with God, strangely enough. But I kept telling God, you got to make this make sense. And my children were 13, 16, and 11. Um, I didn't have a, a traditional job. Uh, I, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to do hair. Um, you know, my daughters hadn't even had their cycles yet. Now that, that was a whole nother situation when the emotions and all this stuff started coming to the house and I didn't know how to handle cramps and stuff. I grew up with boys. And so, you know, this was all brand new to me. But when they told us about it, we, we literally remained in faith and began to speak God's word consistently over our life. But I realized why God had me studying and speaking the word and doing all these things. It wasn't really for her, it was for me. And that's what really has kept me thus far. Um, and that's why my faith, even in losing her, has not wavered because I've learned how to really trust and depend upon him in every situation.
0: This is so interesting. I think as a pastor, you you hit on something that is hard. Um, when you have walked other people through their yeah. own loss, their own grief, like you've been there, you've laid the hands, you sat by, by this hospital beds, like you've done all that and you're like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I'm trusting you now. And then you don't get the news that you had hoped for. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you didn't get angry, but you just wanted God to help help you make sense of it. And you know, I think that's interesting. And I wonder if you think that's because the, the position of your heart from the beginning was after God. Like some people, this happens and they just get angry. They turn from God. They say, I don't want anything to do with God because he didn't answer my prayers. You didn't do that. Like, how, how did you not?
1: I don't understand because I've been living my faith for so long, but, but I can't understand how people can go through situations like this and honestly walk away from God. I, I just, I don't, that to me doesn't make sense. It made more sense for me to cling to him than it was to disconnect and distance myself. And the reason being is because, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. Not that I'm that old. i started very, very young. At two, yes. clear. Out of the womb. Because because I started so young traveling in commission, traveling as a preacher, traveling as a recording artist, my whole life has been about my connection and faith to God. So because my life has been about faith, I just knew, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, oh, man, listen, I'm I'm Marvin Sapp. I'm your servant. I'm faithful. I'm committed. I know you're going to come through me. And even though he did not come through the way I wanted him to, he still came through. And it took me a season to even grasp that, that, you know, he was going to take care of me and my children through all of this. Um, and I just kept asking my, uh, my prayer consistently for at least three or four years. Okay, God, you just got to make this make sense. You just got to make this make sense. And now, almost 10 years later, two college graduates, uh, you know, one on the way. It, it's making sense now that, that because he allowed this situation to happen, songwriter said it best. He said that God will take you through things, and at the end of the day, you'll become stronger, wiser, and better. And I realize that that's a true fact.
0: That's good. That's good. Um, Priscilla, I want to bring you into this conversation. I mean, your family is considered a bedrock of the church. And I don't just mean Oak Cliff. I mean, the global body of Christ. <laughs> your father, Dr. Tony Evans, has has broken ground in every possible way. And at every step of his journey, your mom, Dr. Lois Evans, was by his side. And she recently passed away. Um, but before we even talk about her death, I just want you to bring us into her life. You know, tell us who was Lois Evans?
2: Well, she was um, a woman who first and foremost, genuinely loved the Lord and loved my daddy and loved uh, her kids and the ministry that God entrusted to them. So she grew up in Guyana, South America, and they met because my daddy, who grew up in the hood in Baltimore, um, met up with a evangelistic um, preacher named Sam Hart. He was from Philly. And this preacher asked my dad to come along with him for a revival they were doing in Guyana. And so my dad at, you know, 18 years old goes over to Guyana to basically just serve Sam Hart. And while they were there, one of the elders at the church where the revival was um, opened up his home. So that the, the people that came over to serve from the States could come to their house for a home cooked meal. And that man that opened up his home was my grandfather. So my mom was just one of the girls in the house that were helping to just take care of the people who had traveled over from the States. And after that two week period, um, my dad looked at my mom and said, I am coming back for you. And for two years, they corresponded via letters. We still have all those letters. My mom kept every single one of them in the safety deposit box. And um, and they fell in love. Uh, She moved here. They got married and started what would be an incredible journey together in ministry. She was already sort of sold out to the fact that she was going to give her life over to the Lord in ministry. She decided that when she was 15. But she said, Lord, I I would love to do ministry. But if I could not be a pastor's wife, that would be preferable. And um, so lo and behold, you know how the Lord does it. Um, dad uh, was called, he, he too didn't think he was going to be a pastor. He, he thought he was going to be an evangelist. But God called them to this part of Dallas, Texas, Oak Cliff. They started the church in 1976. And so they have pastored uh, 44 years and, and still moving forward. Dad is full on, like he's still 20, just running the church and pastoring the church and full on. So mom, as you said, has been right beside him every step of the way. The National Ministry um, is what my mom founded. The National Ministry of my of my dad's, which is the urban alternative. So um, she, the reason why people know my dad's name or has have ever read any of the books he's ever written, which at this point are a hundred of them that literally that he's written. And um, the reason why people hear him on the radio is because Tony is because Lois Evans formed and uh, was the executive director. Of the Urban Alternatives National Ministry for three and a half decades. Wow! Um,
0: well, I remember the um, last time I saw her was at the 2019 National Religious Broadcasters Convention. We were at the gala, and she was so full of life and gorgeous as ever. I'll never forget. I was I was coming out of the restroom when she was going in, and she looked at me and she said, "You are wearing that dress, honey." I said. I said, if I could just get on your level, uh, Dr. Evans, I'll be okay. Um, but I remember you told me that it wasn't long after that particular banquet, which was the night that your father was honored with this Lifetime Achievement Award um, that they pulled you all aside as children to, to share the diagnosis. Like, what did you think? How did you feel? What, what was running through your mind having just experienced this, this incredible high? And now you get this news.
2: Well, that's right. No, no, we were where in California, weren't we? And we happened to be at that same banquet together. Um, and then, yeah, we, we actually went from the banquet directly into our, our parents' hotel room. And um, they sat us down. And it was devastating because we had noticed all night long that my dad just didn't seem all the way right. He didn't seem excited or relaxed about the evening at all. And we had been making note of that. So when we went to the hotel room, we sat there. There was tension in the air. And we didn't know what was coming. And then dad told us that mom had been diagnosed with this cancer that they said they could not cure. There was nothing they could do. And it was really just silent in the room for a moment until my father broke that silence with um, weeping you cannot imagine that I don't want to hear ever again, to be honest with you. It makes me cry now even thinking about it. I, I've heard my father cry twice in my life uh, up until last year, this time when they gave us that news. And in the past year, I've heard my father cry like that at least seven or eight times. So before the last year, twice in my entire life, but the past year and a half, honestly, because not only what was he dealing with my mom's diagnosis, but 18 months ago, his brother uh, died. And then six months after that, uh, my cousin, who was my best friend, my father's niece, she passed away. And then um, six months after that, dad lost his sister, my aunt Beverly. And then three months later, her husband, our uncle James passed away. And then that leads us up to this August, another cousin passed away. Suddenly one day she was there, the next she was not. And then our grandfather died at the beginning of this past December, my dad's dad. And then my mother died at the end of December. So it had been literally one thing after another that I saw sort of breaking this man who, as you said, Um, And as Bishop uh, Marvin just just mentioned, who has been faithful to the Lord, who has not wavered. And I mean, he has not wavered. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm saying in terms of integrity and character and focus and diligence to um, serve the Lord, not only in ministry, but more importantly, to honor the wife of his youth and to raise his children. He did not sacrifice us on the altar of trying to build some ministry. My daddy was home. My daddy was with us. Um, And he has done all of that, again, not perfectly, but with integrity. And he has honored the Lord. So when you watch a man like that go through what is like kind of like a Job situation, where it's like one thing after the other, you do sort of look at the Lord, look up to the Lord, not in doubt of his character, but just questioning what would be the purpose that this would serve, Lord? How does this bring you glory, Um, especially when you've made up in your mind? Like Bishop said a few moments ago, Lord, we've figured out how you can get the best glory out of this. If you just listen to the requests that we're asking you, we're telling you right now, you're going to be glorified if you heal my mother. Um, But the Lord has plans that are not our plans, ways that are not our ways. And we either trust that he is good, the same in the valley as we trust that he was on the mountaintop or not. And that's a decision we've got to make every single one of us for ourselves. When the tears are flowing, do we still believe? that he is who he says he is and that he can accomplish everything that he says he can accomplish, whether he chooses to do that in our methodology or not.
0: This is so powerful because, you know, knowing you both, and we talked about this a little bit, Bishop, when you were speaking, but I know you both prayed for your wife's healing, for your mother's healing. You asked God to move miraculously despite these terminal diagnoses, and and he didn't heal them on earth. And there are people listening to this. I've even been watching the comments as they've come in. There are people who have said that they're in the same situation right now, uh, where they prayed for a loved one to be healed on earth and they passed away. And I I just want you to, if you could share in the midst of all of this confusion, I mean, you know, serving God fervently, you know, doing your best to honor him. You, you've done all you could do. And yet the prayer wasn't answered. How do you reconcile that? And uh, I would love for you to start, Bishop. And then, and then I'd love to hear from you, Priscilla.
1: I, I just reconciled it from the standpoint of, you know, I just have to trust the sovereignty of God. Because the reality is, is that God does not always make sense. And when we try to make him make sense, that's when we end up getting messed up. So I literally had to get to a place where I said, okay, God, you're sovereign. You do all things well. And it didn't happen overnight. I'm not going to make like, you know, I'm standing in front of the casket saying, okay, God, you're sovereign. No, no, no. It took me some time um, because I really needed God to really, again, I, I kept saying, God, I need you just to make this make sense. Because this doesn't make sense to me. And it got to a point where God said, Marvin, I don't make sense. I work miracles. And the miracle is that even though she's not here physically, she is in a better space and place than she was when she was here. That is when I got peace, personal peace, you know, because many times we can be selfish. He's like, okay, God, keep her here, keep her here, keep her here. Yeah, but she's sick. She's she's. She's not at the place that she's going to be, especially if she's not healed totally and completely. Okay, so God, you need to do what you need to do in this season, and I'll make it as long as you're here. And I think that's what people need to know. They, they need to cling to God more than ever before. They need to stay connected more to him more than ever before and know that, and this is a cliche, if he brought you to it, he's going to see you through it. I've learned that he'll never put more on you than you can really handle or you can really bear. And I know the main reason, I say this all the time, the reason why I really got through this is because I have resilient children. Kids will blow your mind how resilient they are. And the day after my life went on, to be with the Lord, never forget it, um, I'm in the bed, I hadn't slept all night, crying. Everything. So I hear my kids, my kids are up at like six in the morning. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Kids are up getting ready to go to school. Now, my <laughs> yesterday, the day before. So i come to my baby girl, Madison, Madison Grace. she's 11. And she says, to, I said, Maddie, you know, y'all don't have to go to school today. You know, mom went home to be with the Lord yesterday. And these are the words that my daughter said to me. She said, Well, no, 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 Daddy. Mommy will want us to keep it moving. Strangely enough, my my wife, Melinda, would get up every morning and would holler through the house, let's keep it moving, children. Keep it moving. Every morning, she's making breakfast for them to get ready to go to school. Keep it, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. And she's just screaming this through the house and the kids getting dressed and stuff. And that was the day I said, you know what? If they can get up out this bed and get ready to go to school and never miss a day other than the day that their mother's homegoing was. I can get in the shower and keep it moving too. And that, from that day to this day, that's how we've been doing. It. However, my wife was a clinical psychologist as well. So I always tell people, counseling is everything. Get a clinician, please. Don't just sit around oh, My God's gonna heal you of this, no. You need somebody. I'm a strong believer in prayer. I I believe in prayer. I believe that God does deal with us in certain ways in certain areas. But I also believe that God gives us human beings that can help us navigate through some of these things. They may not be able to heal us, but they can help us navigate through. So in these seasons and in these moments, don't just try to sit there and talk about I'm strong enough to handle it. I'm a strong man, but I made sure I was sitting in front of somebody every week. To help me through this process that was trained but no pastor i sat in front of a trained clinician
0: that's good that's so good priscilla how are you how are you kind of reconciling this situation and how would you encourage others
2: well i really do have to echo um what pastor has just said because the reality is that trying to make sense of god is really what gets us We're trying to make his ways, our ways. That's what frustrates us. That's what overwhelms us. And that's what, if we're not careful, can begin to cause us to question who he is. But it's one thing to ask questions of God. It's another thing to question God. So Job asked questions, Habakkuk asked questions. He allows gratefully in his mercy. He allows us to voice our concerns and our questions. And you can do that healthfully spiritually in health. You can ask questions of God without questioning his character. So you got to decide if all the stuff that that has framed your theology before the storm hits, if it holds up after the storm hits. It's either firm or it's not. And um, I'm so grateful that I had a little bit of a thing going on with Jesus before all this. Because, listen, you can't lay a firm foundation once the rain starts. I mean, you could try, but it's muddy. It's a muddy process. Contractors okay. always pull back from a building project um, when the rain starts. Because if you can't lay a firm foundation once the sky has already opened up. So before the storm hits, you and I must have a regular, fervent, consistent prayer life. One that is steeped in uh, the word of God. Where, we, where he is... Um, fortifying our spiritual backbone because the rain is coming mm-hmm. and when it comes we got to have a firm foundation. So I would say that really is honestly what has carried me through as well is that I I already had a thing going on with Jesus and I'm so glad about that. And and can I just say especially right now while all of us are quarantined and, and alone and people that have had congregations or have had public ministries or whatever now you sitting at home, we're all sitting at home by ourselves in front of a Computer with our tops done but pajamas on the bottom.
1: Ah! Hey, if that. (laughs) Don't be stitching on me me right now. (laughs) Top half looking good, boy. (laughs) I can't wait to get out the (laughs) chair. But
2: the reality is, the thing that is carrying me and my family, all, all of whom have public ministries, the thing that's carrying us is not the stuff we did in front of people. Listen to what I'm saying to you, that you could be standing in front of an audience every weekend, teaching and preaching and doing ministry and serving and all of this stuff that is beneficial and amazing. But if you personally, behind closed doors, don't have a rhythm of grace with the Holy Spirit where you know what it is to sense him um, operating in the fruit, um, the fruit of the Spirit welling up in your life and what it is to have a conversational relationship with God. And if God's word is not hidden in your heart, then you're going to find that when the rain comes, you have an audience, but you don't actually have um, um, just a strength of relationship that's going to carry you through. So I would just say, I didn't want to sound preachy right there, but it is the thing that has carried us is that we just, I just believe that God is who he has always told me that he is. So I trust him. I trust him with the thing that I don't understand.
1: And let me add, let me add as a caveat, that even if God does not answer the way that we desire, that doesn't change his character. He's right. And that's how, that, that, that's the only way that you're going to be able to make it through this, is you have to just say, okay, God, okay, you didn't do it the way we wanted it to be done, but that does not change who you are. You're still yeah. God and we still trust you. And, and wouldn't you, oh, okay. sorry. Ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: Well, I was just going to say, and wouldn't you also say that Before we started praying the specific request for the person to be healed, in our case, other people have specific requests that you're praying. Before that acute moment came up in your life, some of the prayer requests we were praying were things like, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, show me what it's like to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, mold me into the image of your son. Lord, do whatever it takes to prepare me for your purposes. So we're praying these prayers that if it takes hard stuff in order for those things to manifest in our life, do we still want those requests answered? Because in that case, he's still performing a miracle. The fact that the Holy Spirit, now I know him in a way I could not have known him before walking through this, what it's like to be sustained in the midst of trial, to have peace that passes understanding. You can't know that except you be in a situation where the Lord can teach you those things.
1: Absolutely.
0: That's so powerful. And I think, um, what I've come to believe is that loss often reveals what's in our heart. And I think what you said, Priscilla is so important is that, you know, you can't build a firm foundation in the middle of the rain. And so if that foundation isn't firm, if your heart posture isn't toward God, you know these things are going to happen. It's going to reveal to you where you actually are. So we have to stay in the word and we have to stay prayerful. And I love how you said, it's not about having an audience. We need to be in community with people, which really leads me to my last question. I mean, you both are such a light of hope for other people. I just wonder if when you were going through these dark places, if there are people that you would like to just thank for walking alongside you, uh, because we all need somebody to be with us. So I I would start with you, Bishop, if if there's anyone that you would like to say thank you to, and then we'll end with Priscilla.
1: No, strangely enough, you know, it was one person that, that I talked to because People can't really understand where you are. Um, you know, at that point, I was still at, I was at the height of my career. My music was through the roof. I'm pasting a great church. I'm traveling all over the world. There was only one person that really I could talk to that could relate, and that was Joseph Warren Walker III, Because his wife had passed away. And he was at the height of his ministry when all that stuff was going on. So he kind of, he kind of walked me through the process. Um, and was a resource for me. Uh, but, but outside of that, it was my kids. It's strangely enough, just us talking and having conversations about the good times, the bad times, the same stuff that made us laugh is the stuff that made us cry. Same stuff that made us cry, stuff that made us laugh. Um, so Marvin, Michaela, and Madison, I mean, they were everything and uh, still are. You know, that's, that's one of the problems. That's the reason why they're here now. Cause they'll tell you it's us four no more. <laughs> <You gotta laughs> say it. I, I, I'm, they I'm try- wish you
2: would try to get married again. Uh, they wish yeah, right. you
1: would uh, <laughs> I'm trying to bring a fifth in. I don't care what they say, but <laughs> 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 but oh, uh, they they really they really kind of got me through. Really they they were the ones that kept me on the straight and narrow and just looking at them was what I needed. To keep it moving, they they were they, and even now, they're still what I need to keep it moving. So, they've been a great source of resource for the dad.
2: It's awesome, Priscilla. Um, you're asking me these questions, girl, that are making me a little bit emotional. I don't know if it's because I've had I've had interviews all day too, so I don't know if it's tired or if it's just you, a good interviewer. I don't know what's going on here, <laughs> but um, I feel emotional to say. Um, that I really do, there there are many close friends of mine that just came in and were all up in my life and supporting me. But my husband, um, Jerry, released me completely and fully to do what I needed to do last fall and into the winter to care for my mother. And I mean, I, I, I rolled up out of here and I was with my mom. Me and my sister basically moved in with my parents to t- just to take care of my dad who is healthy and fine and doesn't need necessarily to be cared for. But just that emotional support, just being there to make sure mom was taken care of so he could just be her husband and not have to be her caretaker as well. And I mean, I moved in with my sister and we were there pretty much day through the night, um, spending the night. And my husband released me to do it. And I've said to him, and and then since then, he's given me the margin and the space that I need to be able to to still take care of our father and wanting to be around him and with him. Um, I've told him that I will never, ever be able to thank him enough for not just letting me do it, but blessing me to do it so that I didn't have to feel this weight and this pull to be in two places at once. He blessed me to do it. I will never be able to thank him enough for that, uh, for that time uh, with my mother. I'm so grateful for that. And then one other thing I want to say, um, and, and, and I'm not just saying this, Bishop, because you're on the call, but I want to tell you this. Um, you know, we had this funeral for my mom and at the end of the funeral, we were able to hang out for just a little bit, my family and just say hi to people. And all of a sudden the four of us look up and our dad and there's Marvin Sapp standing there (laughs) came to the funeral. Now, the reason why that's a big deal is because it's not like pastor Marvin that you, and my father are like great friends. It's not like you and mom were real good friends. Y'all didn't know each other real well. Y'all didn't take vacations together. You know, you had been to our church just sing a couple times. Um, but outside of that, as far as I know, y'all didn't have a close, intimate friendship with each other. And yet you showed up. And I cannot tell you how much the ministry of presence impacted us at my mother's funeral. There were many people who like you We're not necessarily buddy buddies with my mom and dad, but the fact that you were there said, I see you. I see that you as a man who are basically in my same position where we are pastoring people, we're shepherding people. And I've walked through this road before. You need to know that when you walked up and we saw you. All that I just described went through my dad's mind and heart. It wasn't that this guy has, uh, you know, has been my best friend for 40 years. It's that this man knows where I've been. He knows what I've done. He knows the weight that I carry. And he is coming, he has come here not only just to give condolences. He has come here to say, I see you. And you need to know that you communicated that when you showed up. And um, we got to see you at the end of that. There were many others like that who just showed up. And the Ministry of Presence is a real thing that blesses people when they're going through hardship.
1: Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. you. Uh, um, thank you. Thank you. Your dad's a great man. So I, I I, had to be there just simply because I get it.
2: Yeah, you do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Well, I'm I'm just so grateful for both of you, transparency, parents, um, your willingness to speak about just such difficult situations, and yet you have maintained your faith in God. Um, I wanna close with just a, an opportunity to pray. I, I've i been watching the comments and there are people who are hurting, there are people who even said they're in tears um, listening to you, there are people who have said that they are just so blessed to hear your story. So I just wanna pray, uh, Lord, there are people watching this right now whose hearts are heavy for various reasons. Um, And yet they have heard stories of hope. They have heard uh, encouragement today through Bishop Marvin Sapp and Priscilla Shire. And I pray, God, um, a blessing on all of them, Lord. I just pray that you will continue to uplift their hearts and help connect them to others who can walk alongside them through this difficult time. I also pray, God, just for the Sapp family, God, for the Shire family, the Evans family, the Hearst. I pray for everyone, God, connected to the loss uh, of my friends here. I pray that you will continue to favor them, God. Continue to honor them, Lord. Continue to enlarge their territory so that they can be a light of hope in a dark world. God, we lift your name up, and I pray that you are glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining me. I recently learned that the man that I had been dating in college died from the coronavirus. It was so hard to absorb that news because not only was he someone that I thought I was going to marry at that point in my life, but we hadn't talked in decades. And yet last year, for my birthday, he messaged me on Facebook, just out of the blue, to say happy birthday. Who could have known that just eight months later, he would be dead and his beautiful wife, little girl, and son would be left on this earth with questions. Here's the thing. I don't know why these things happen, but one thing I know for sure is that God is still good. Even when bad things happen, God is still good because that's his nature and that's his character. It doesn't make sense, and frankly, it never will. But we hold on to that recognition and we hold on to that truth because God has proven himself to be faithful over and over again. If you have found yourself struggling through loss and grief and pain, I want you to know that you're not alone. And I want you to also know that I'm praying for you. God loves you and we're all in this together. Come back next week for another episode of Undefeated. I promise you, you have a fighter inside of you. And even more than a fighter, you have a champion inside of
2: you. I'll see you next week.